the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Well, welcome back as we uh, head into Hour 2. I am Seth Liebson. It is a delight to welcome back to the studio. Been a while. My fault. Um, great, great man in uh, Arizona politics and public policy, More, uh, probably more rightly describing him. Uh, James Madison said it's not, it's not just government. It's not just parties. We have to have auxiliary institutions to keep this place afloat. And Scott Mussey of the Arizona Free Enterprise Club is one of them, azfree.org. It's a great website, azfree.org. He's the president. We have him in studio with us. It's good to see you again, Scott. Thanks for being here. Well, thank you for having me, Seth. You betcha. Tell the audience that may not know about the Arizona Free Enterprise Club what you guys are, who you are, and what you are. Well, uh, the Free Enterprise Club, we've been in existence since 2005, and our goal is here in Arizona, focusing on state-based issues, doing everything we can to preserve and promote Arizona as a free market, pro-growth bastion, um, and to continue to build upon the foundations that have made Arizona a great place for for families, um, for entrepreneurs, businesses to thrive. Uh, So that's our goal here. You promote? initiatives, you promote legislation, you fight bad legislation and bad initiatives, and you're also involved in uh, in the legal world too, right? We're we're all over the and place. And you're grassroots as well. Yeah, we do yeah. all kinds. We're in lots of different things. That's just because there's lots of different fights. You can't, uh, you can't win the fight of protecting um, our conservative values that we all cherish um, in just one realm. So it means taking it to the, to the legislature, fighting on policy, doing research, litigating, fighting those fights, and then also engaging regular citizens, making sure that they know how to engage and activate and contact and communicate with their their elected officials. One of the things we were talking just before you got here, one of the strategies of the um, progressive movement is to overwhelm you in lawfare areas. And I want to just put the pin in that or the bookmark in that for a bit later down down the road in our discussion today. But I wanted to alert people um, that one of the things you're, you're discovering or have discovered now is that they – they they try to make life very hard on the conservative movement, don't they? they, they if if you if you stick your neck out, be prepared for them to push hard back, right, and make life as miserable for you as possible. Yeah, they they have uh, mastered the art of you know the cancel culture, right. the harassment, and they do it in all kinds of different tactics and capacities. Let's talk just a little bit about a few things that are uh, at the top of your agenda at the Arizona Free Enterprise Club. Talk to us about um, – let's talk about Prop 400, first of all. Tell us about Proposition 400. Oh, thanks, Seth. Yeah, for those not familiar with this, it's been a um, discussion and debate over the last 18 months. There's this regional transportation tax in Maricopa County. It's been in effect since 1985. Um, for the first you know, 20 years of its ex- existence, it existed solely for – building the freeway system you see in Maricopa County. And, and by most estimations and most people that look at this, it, it's been largely successful. Um, helped with the growth of the community, connected the, the, the region together, um, you know, expanded the area and the opportunities for Maricopa County. And um, what has happened in the last 20 years, and now it's currently being discussed now with this extension, is the plan has been 
morphed into something that has nothing to do with building our freeways anymore. Huh. Surprise, surprise. Um, <laughs> what it's a dis- debate about now is is using uh, most of the funding for non-freeway purposes, um, expansion of transit and other things. Um, and this plan was even worse than that. It built upon not only some bad ideas like light rail um, and and uh, and our, our failing, in many respects, our failing bus system, um, but also took it to the next level by uh, wanting to uh, utilize and move the funds into things where they just wanted to have a straight slush fund mm-hmm. on how to use the funds. And so, um, so there's been a debate at the legislature about um, sending this tax to the ballot for voter approval and how the funds should be used. And um, our position is simple. If there's going to be any extension on this, it should be for the funds going towards what's going to go for the best purposes and what the, the plan was originally meant for, which means funding our freeway systems, funding the expansion of roadways. Um, it should not be for, um, frankly, funding a transit system that currently is bankrupt. And that's one of the dirty secrets that the um, Maricopa Associated Governments, um, Valley Metro, and others that are advocating for this and won't talk about is the existing system is bankrupt. There's less people in Maricopa County today riding transit than were riding it in 2005. Um, the pandemic changed people's behaviors more so than I think anybody predicted, and um, and that means it should change how how future planning has occurred. But the reality is is that the backers of this plan, which are uh, what we call the transit lobby, uh, city planners, those that want high-density development, they want people out of homes, out of their cars, um, are the ones driving this plan. And um, right now, uh, the, the legislature approved an alternative plan. Governor Hobbs vetoed it. And so um, it is our understanding that there's now current talks about what the next steps are going to be. But it's our position is that no plan should be sent forward that doesn't prioritize what's in the best interest of motorists and taxpayers in Maricopa County. Propositions generally are kind of tricky in Arizona, aren't they? I mean, I, I, we, we, there's sometimes they come up with a good idea that that's worthwhile. But generally, I, I, I am so worried about propositions given our Voter Protection, uh, Voter Protection Act and that I, I kind of view Arizona as a sitting duck for a lot of outside interests, out-of-state interests in financing things here. Yes, especially when it comes to statewide initiatives, we have become um, often what I describe as a petri dish Mm -hmm. for various radical ideas, often financed by out-of-state special interests, um, out-of-state liberal billionaires that want to parachute in, and they can pretty much buy their way on the ballot box. They can flood the zone, hiring paid circulators to gather signatures um, and put – and we saw this in the last couple of elections where we saw these radical ideas, whether it be looking to double our state income tax, um, um, mandate a Green New Deal energy mandate for the state. Um, you know, unions have come in to push their radical ideas. And so this happens over and over again. And um, it's not – they take advantage of what was originally tended as a citizens-driven process. Mm-hmm. And now it's one that's largely bankrolled by these special interests. Yeah, this thing was originally, you know, the brainchild of, you know, the progressive movement, right? To give citizens a, a, a voice, you know, the, the, the non-powerful a voice, if you will, or the non-elected a voice, if you will. And it's become completely corrupted, exactly the way you say. Uh, and I, any out-of-state billionaire can finance something or multimillionaire can finance something here or put together a group to do so. And then what it foists upon groups like yours and other Arizonans is to try and drop everything and rally to put money together to fight it, which is its own challenge. But then if it wins, given our special Voter Protection Act, it's really hard to change. Yeah, it really puts you up against the um, 
up against the wall when these bad measures pass as far as addressing them. Because in Arizona, if a, if, a, if an initiative passes at the ballot, um, it can't be changed. Right. Um, I think we're the only state like this. The, with the there type, one other maybe? There, no other state has a Voter Protection right. Act like right. what we have where right. you, you cannot change the measure um, uh, after it is passed. Um, the good news is I would say with our initiative process, I think most most voters are, are becoming aware of some of the the issues related to this, where these out-of-state um, special interests are bankrolling these measures and, and pushing these bad ideas. Um, and in the last cycle, we saw voters actually respond by passing a couple of good reforms, um, one, raising the threshold to do tax increases at the right. ballot. Right. Um, the other uh, to stop what was what's been referred to as log rolling, where you try to put 25 different issues into a ballot initiative. Now initiatives are limited to a single subject. Um, and then there's another reform going to the ballot next year that we think voters will approve um, to 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 address um, uh, citizens initiatives and how these you know how they these are paid for by uh, big special interests by giving voters the, the ability to, to put an amendment into the Constitution stating that if you're going to collect signatures for an initiative, that you need to collect those signatures from all the legislative districts throughout Arizona. Oh, that's interesting. To give the rationale for I think I can figure it out, but to give the rationale for that, yeah. Yes. Because uh, you could just overwhelm from P, uh, Pima County or something. Yeah, right now, pretty much every initiative you see go on the ballot, that's a citizen's initiative, and it's paid for um, oftentimes by these out-of-state liberal billionaires, is they come in, they hire paid circulator firms, and then they flood the streets in the city of Phoenix, the city of Tucson, in the urban areas to collect their signatures. Uh, They do not go out and actually build a a consensus or build any sort of broad support for their ideas. Um, and most other states have that requirement. They require some sort of geograph, what's called a geographic distribution for the collection of signatures. And so uh, the legislature has referred this proposed amendment um, to the ballot, and this will give voters the oppor- opportunity to amend our Constitution to ensure that if you're going to put something on the ballot, that you can't just go to the city of Phoenix and Tucson. You have to you know, go out to Queen Creek. You have to go out to you know, Kingman, go out to Yuma. Um, go around the state, build a consensus on your idea before I like it goes it. to the ballot. I can see the columns against it right now. I can almost, I can almost see what the response is to that. No, that, that's that's great. We'll work with you on that too, Scott. Scott Moosey is my guest. He's the president of the Arizona Free Enterprise Club. Their website is azfree.org. And when we come back, I, I did a monologue earlier today, Scott, on um, on this no labels stuff, and uh, there's this kind of ancillary effort going on here with ranked choice voting and jungle primaries. I want to talk about that with you when we come back. Can we do that? Absolutely. Scott and I will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. It's a delight to have Scott Musi in studio with me. He is the president of the Arizona Free Enterprise Club, azfree.org. Uh, Scott, I was talking with the audience in the previous hour about this no labels uh, business, and I guess they just released their uh, their platform, if you can call it that, but um, their national platform, party platform, and um, there's kind of ancillary or next to that. There's these efforts in Arizona to push things like ranked choice voting and jungle primaries. Talk to us about what's going on with these kinds of efforts and what they mean to you. Yeah, uh, Seth, a lot of these are actually even tied to the uh, the ballot initiative process yeah. that we were right. talking about in the previous segment. But 
Um, it's a, this is a national movement. It's been um, out there for several years. Um, we've seen it successfully adopt ranked choice voting in states like Alaska, mm-hmm. where they adopted it back in uh, back in 2020. Um, and it's this idea that our system is is broken, and we need to moderate and pick different types of people that speak for this quiet majority out there that is is getting getting silenced. And so we need to move to a a new new way of adopting our our um, elected officials. And ranked choice voting is one of those um, ideas that are that has come to Arizona. There's an entire organization getting funded, likely from out of state, um, to help try to put this on the ballot in 2024. And um, you know. It, it, and the way it would work is you just you go in and you're supposed to rank your candidates and it's this convoluted system um, on the way to do that. Well, the other one being discussed as well is, is jungle primaries. And they're talking about doing that as well. Um, very similar to ranked choice voting in some respects on um, how you pick people. California actually selects their, their candidates with, with jungle primaries. And so there's all there's these competing factions now looking to do things. And it's all under the auspices that this is going to help moderate or fix the – the, the fighting that happens. Extremism, happen- reduce it, extremism, it, it reduce the margins yes. that seem to always represent the parties or too often represent the parties, according to these people. Anyway. That, yeah, that's, right. their, that's their accusation, and, and it actually is false. There's no evidence right. that any of these types of reforms to, quote, fix our political system actually fix it. In fact, uh, most of the evidence, it often creates new problems or makes the situation worse. And just speaking of the jungle primaries, a, a group out there, they're called Save Democracy, um, are saying that they're planning on running an initiative starting next month to do jungle primaries here. Uh, what they fail to tell you is that we already had jungle primaries on the ballot 10 years ago in Arizona, and it failed. It failed miserably. Um, they also don't tell you that California's had jungle primaries for the last 10 years. Again, claiming that it's going to Well, they've really made it moderate out there, haven't they? Oh, I mean, California's just functioning great, isn't yeah, it, Seth? Right. I mean, it, um, it's only what it's done is, is it's created a lot of the problems that the detractors said it would cause, is that it's reduced choices, it's actually created more of a uniparty in California, um, and frankly, has made things more extreme in California and empowered um, the type of forces that often you don't want to see empowered in a in a you know election process. One of the things I, I mean I notice about these and you know you can end up in situations with these jungle primaries where once you get beyond the primary and the top two voters that's basically what it is right it's the top two finishers go on to the general something like that in theory. You can end up with no Republican on the ticket. I was I, I was just looking up on uh, knowing we were going to talk about this. Diane Feinstein was not challenged by a Republican in her last election in California. Can yes. you imagine? There was no Republican fighting against or running against Diane Feinstein. No, it, it, it eliminates choice. Yeah. It forces people into situations where they have to sit around. And if you're not the member of that political party, the only choices you're given is somebody from a party that doesn't represent your values. Yeah. And that is the whole point that parties exist. Yeah. Um, good, bad, or otherwise, if you're, uh, you know, if, whether or not you're registered as a Republican, a Democrat, or even if you're unaffiliated, you make that choice and, and that they exist for a reason. But the idea that the only choice you're going to be given is one particular political party, um, and make no mistake, that'll happen all the time, whether it be at the top of the ticket in those high-profile races, but definitely down-ticket. Mm-hmm. When you start getting down into the legislative races and those other types of races, you will it will eliminate choices for voters. It seems to me some of these things happen to be solutions searching for a problem in some respects. But am I too romantic, Scott, to say um, if you don't like the choices you're given, just get active? I mean, you know, pick better candidates. 
I, I, what's so wrong about that? Is it too old-fashioned to say that? I mean, one of the things I do find problematic is, and you probably have seen some of this too, a lot of people say they don't want to be involved in the primaries. They'll be involved more in the general election once it comes and once the final primary. Well, how's that worked out? You guys got to get involved, not you. People got to get involved and pick better candidates. That's That seems to me the most democratic way to solve the problems of extremism to the degree it exists or where it exists. I would 100 percent agree with you, Seth. And I would just I would just add on on part of that, too, is a lot of this time is a lot of this is driven not by an um, a rejection of extremism, although that's often what is sold as right. a reason for that, because what it is, is people and a lot of voters and you, you'd see this, whether it be in polling or just you could see it through just interactions when you talk to people. Most people are averse to that regular conflict. They don't like the combativeness. They want to see people get along. That's that's a lot of people that aren't engaged in politics. That's kind of how they want to. They, they're, they're conflict averse. The people pushing a lot of these reforms prey on that. Yeah, of course. As their mechanism to try to build support. Yeah. Whereas the people pushing it, that isn't what they care about. In fact, they're some of the most conflict active seeking sure. people you're going to meet. Sure. What they're frustrated about is that the current political dynamic, they've lost power. Right. And they've lost control. Yeah. And they want to regain control. And so if they think they remake the system, that they will regain control. Yeah. That's what this is about. Yeah. And that's why that's where the money and the energy for these movements is coming from. Yeah, that that makes all the sense in the world when you put it that way. And that gets us back to this uh, no labels party movement that I was talking about. You read the platform. It doesn't stand for anything. But you look at the people behind it, you know, and they're not conservatives. I'll just put it that way. You won't find conservatives involved in this. And it seems to me that in most cases – Maybe in every case, I, I, I kind of want my parties to have differences. I, 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 you can't take politics out of politics. I'm sorry, but we are about the conflict and clash of different concepts and opinions and ideas about how to run this place here. There's, there's, I mean, sometimes, yes, a policy is going to have a, a point of view and there's going to be other people who disagree with you. Welcome to politics. Welcome to participatory democracy. That's my – I mean, uh, honestly, the idea that these people think that they can create some kind of end-of-history era of, 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 of political sanity in this country by getting rid of ideology seems to me like it's just – it's a, another situation of a sitting duck waiting for the most, uh, the, 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 the most pale versions of the most wealthy liberals dictating what we're going to be doing. You Poli- don't see conservative issues in these movements. Yeah. You just don't. Politics are inherently are going to be a conflict is going to be inevitable in politics. Right. It always happens. But what you just mentioned as far as conservatives being involved, that's the other element that you'll see as well, too, is that you never see these ideas largely getting pushed. You don't see ranked choice voting. No. You don't see them running to the no. to the deep blue states. No. You see them running that's to right. red states to push these ideas. Right. That's right. Scott Musi is my guest. He's with the Arizona Free Enterprise Club, azfree.org. Uh, you put out a great piece the other day on kind of that controversy at ASU. You want to talk a little bit about that when we come right back? Free speech? Sounds good. You bet. Scott Musi and I will be right back. Are global leaders global leaders developing solutions that promote freedom and quality of life, or are they creating problems and forcing solutions that only benefit the elites? 
Midas Gold Group believes it's the latter. From draconian COVID restrictions, the decimation of small businesses, and changed election laws, which may have led to a Biden presidency, Midas believes your finances will be next. Under the guise of protecting you, you'll get monetary expansion, national debt, and reduced purchasing power, and their central bank digital currency will virtually eliminate your savings and purchasing privacy. The answer, convert a portion of your savings or IRA to physical gold and silver. Precious metals are a private currency used to store wealth throughout history. Hundreds, my listeners, and you all have trusted the veterans at Midas Gold Group. They're fighting for your financial freedom and privacy. Give the Midas Gold Group a call at 480-360-3000. It's 480-360-3000. Or check them out online at Midas goldgroup.com the only precious metals dealer seb gorka i and thousands of you already know and trust scott musi is my guest he's from the arizona free enterprise club azfree.org scott tell us about this interesting event you've got coming up keep arizona free summit yeah thanks Seth. yeah um uh, in august august 5th we're going to be having our third annual keep az free summit here in scottsdale um, if you'd like to register or anybody out there would like to attend, you can. You just go to our website at azfree.org, and you can register for the summit. Uh, this year we're bringing in, as our guest speaker, Alex Epstein, uh, wrote the book Fossil Future, um, outlining and explaining why it's not just um, make good sense, but the moral case on why we should be using fossil fuels. And this push by the radical left, um, by the environmentalists, and the, as we call it sometimes, the climate cult, to ban all the fossil fuels um, is, not just, is not just bad economics and dangerous, but is likely going to kill people mm. if we continue down this path, mm. um, whether it be you know, what you see with the blackouts and everything else. Um, so we're bringing in Alex Epstein. Uh, should be a great event, and uh, it's on August 5th. Great. And people can go to azfree.org to sign up for that. Yes. Learn more about it. Speaking of freedom, you guys put out an article. You got some pushback from the from ASU on it, but um, I guess we're all getting used to that these days. ASU deserves an F for its failure to uphold free speech. You guys wrote, "Yes, okay." <laughs> Next topic. Well, <laughs> so we graded okay. on a curve there, Seth. Yeah. Uh, no, it was you know, and this has been this has been kind of a recurring theme. That ASU keeps talking about how they're. Um, they're for free speech. They're for intellectual diversity. Um, we're open to uh, you know diff- differing voices and differing viewpoints. Um, except when those differing view- voices or differing viewpoints ever want to appear or attend, um, whether it be a different school or center there that maybe leans to the right, that all of a sudden there's a bunch of pushback. And and the most recent case was this issue at the T.W. Lewis Center where um, you know you had a bunch of radical. Um, faculty members at the Barrett College attempt to boycott, harass um, the T.W. Lewis Center for trying to hold a, an event that, frankly, we're bringing in speakers that are not that radical. <laughs> and, uh, and that's the interesting the thing. The avuncular it, Dennis Prager, whoever, yeah, yeah right. It, yeah, individuals that, you know, it, it, on the other side, it's it's – you know, you can throw a stone and hit a communist mm-hmm. um, at the Barrett Honors College, and that's considered, you know, that's considered acceptable. Um, and but, you know, with intellectual diversity, I guess if you want to be a communist on on the campus, you can do that. But you can't be a conservative without facing these types of threats. And so we just kind of outlined both what happened there and previous instances where this has occurred. And now it appears that ASU is running for cover and attempting to say that they didn't do anything wrong and. 
um, you know, we're looking forward. There's going to be a ha- hearing tomorrow at yep. the legislature, and we're looking forward to seeing that happen. And given given some of the voices that per, you know were involved in the, in the middle of that, an opportunity to say their side. Yeah, there will be. Let me let the audience know about it uh, tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. at the uh, state legislature. There's going to be a joint hearing. Uh, it'll be in the Senate. Uh, Dennis Prager is going to come in town to testify. I will be testifying. Uh, Ann Atkinson will be. Owen Anderson will be. And a few representatives from ASU. From uh, I think the hearing will begin. You know, I, it's scheduled to be from 9 to noon. So it'll start at 9. And uh, it's a public hearing. So people should feel free to uh, feel free in this audience to attend and come up and say hi. Yeah, and we would encourage people to, if you can't attend in person, watch yeah, it. Yeah, you can watch it online, too. Watch it online and, and get up to speed on what's kind of happening there. And ASU needs to be held accountable. They're receiving taxpayer funds, and um, they they need to be um, they need to be willing to honor and uphold the things they claim they care about, which is intellectual diversity and free speech. Talk to me about another issue when we come. But do you have time for one more segment with us, Scott? I can stay for one more. Great. Scott Musi is our guest, Arizona Free Enterprise Club. I just wanted to get your views on another kind of seeming end run around the kinds of thing we kind of grew up with in understanding how civics works from schoolhouse rock to the way democracy works, given all this governance by executive order. Can you talk about Katie Hobbs and executive orders when we come back? Yes. Scott Musi is my guest. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. Delighted to have Scott Musi in studio with me. He's the president of the Arizona Free Enterprise Club. AZFree.org is their website. Uh, Scott, talk to me about another thing you guys have been tracking and working on and against, which is this new form of government, which kind of renders the the legislature unnecessary, it seems like, and maybe even renders vote for state legislators unnecessary. It's this governance by executive order that Katie Hobbs is perfecting to a fairly well. Just if there's a law in the book she doesn't like, she'll write an executive order not to enforce it. Yeah, she's she's I think hit the stage in her tenure now. We're not even a year in where um, between her incompetence and uh, her inability to be able to uh, accomplish anything of substance that. Um, out of sheer desperation, she's now doing the pen and phone routine, going in and trying to rewrite laws and, um, you know, and try to, uh, uh, frankly, violate our Constitution in multiple ways. Um, but through these executive orders, we saw a couple more in late June. Um, we've seen um, a couple of others that she did earlier in the spring. And, and uh, it's becoming a reoccurring theme from this governor and what she's doing. Uh, uh, one of the one of the things, as long as we're talking about quasi legal, let's talk about legal. You guys work on the legal front, and I teased this in the first segment. I didn't get back to it. I meant to talk to the audience about how how the progressives work. You know, um, t- to talk to them about what this issue of lawfare is and how they kind of try and bury you. The left has mastered mastered what what is often referred to as lawfare, which is just using the courts to both, you know, through the to push their ideas, change laws, change constitutions um, and pummel their opponents into submission. Um, And they do it both through um, the weight of the uh, size of their lawsuits and through the numbers and often by the number of plaintiffs. Uh, We just saw this last year with um, a law we passed here in Arizona. Great law that was passed, um, 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 ensuring that um, illegal immigrants here in Arizona um, can't vote 
it's in our constitution. Um, you have to be a U.S. citizen to vote. Illegal immigrants can't vote. Yeah, surprise. It, it's in the constitution. The it's the courts have made it clear that we're able to stipulate who's eligible and who's not. Well, um, through previous lawfare, um, different things like consent decrees have been entered into that has changed that and has allowed from our perspective, people that aren't proving to be U.S. citizens to vote in federal elections. And so the legislature passed an additional law to reaffirm that, um, no, in fact, you have to be a U.S. citizen. And if you're not and it can't be proven that um, that limitations on on everything that are put onto the point that you can't vote in the elections. Well, over 13 lawsuits were filed by 13 different groups to challenge that law. Um, and through the course of that, uh, we're not a party to that lawsuit, but a subpoena was issued against us, challenging us as part of being, trying to pull us into the lawsuit, um, asking for five years of communication. You're just minding your business. You're minding just working business. on this other stuff we've been talking yeah, about, and you get a subpoena. Got a subpoena, not even a party to the lawsuit, uh, demanding all of this information, um, demanding all of our correspondence, um, our financial records, um, our internal legislative policy and research strategy, um, and then a, then a uh, mandate for a deposition that I, we have to go in and be deposed on this. Um, this is a tactic they're using, turns out, all throughout the country. We're talking with national groups, and they're like, oh, yeah, this is something the left has just started deploying. They're going around and trying to issue subpoenas and depositions to third-party groups that have nothing to do with other litigation, all in the hopes of pulling them in, forcing them to spend money, their time, their resources, and um, attempting to uh, gather information that otherwise they wouldn't be entitled to have. Wow. At a certain point, can 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 we push back on any kind of uh, – I, I, I mean, these things are hard to push back against. You pretty much have to comply with things, but I would think at a certain level there's different abuses of process that could be alleged or something like that. I don't know. Well, it depends on who's doing it. Right. In these instances, when you're talking about the, the left and these progressive groups, no, Seth, you right. don't have to just comply. You, you fight back. Good. We're fighting back against this. Good. And we have other partners in this. We're happy that the Goldwater Institute um, – Joined us in this effort to fight against it. Um, they're helping us to file. They helped us file the motion to quash the subpoena in this instance because we're fighting back on it. No, when somebody's trying to bully you, you don't get bullied. Good. You fight back and you stand up to them. Good. Good. I love it. We're against bullies here, and they have perfected this process with the overwhelming with the over, uh, overwhelming force. I mean, that's that's what they try and do. I'm just I'm just so interested in how the progressives push that one area that. Voter ID that somehow to prove that you're a citizen is a violation of any kind of constitutional or civil liberty. It just strikes me as such a hard argument, and yet they believe it with such an ardency. And they believe it to the point that if you oppose that or you take the position that, oh, in fact, you need to be a U.S. citizen, Mm -hmm. it has to be rooted in some secret racism. Right. That, oh, it's because you don't like a certain person or individual Mm -hmm based on the color of their skin, mm-hmm. which is outrageous and offensive. Mm-hmm. Um, we have pulled this. Overwhelming majorities of the public believe that you should be a U.S. citizen to vote. Um, and that's across all party affiliation. Democrats overwhelmingly believe that position. Yet this fringe minority um, 
is going out and pushing laws and going into court trying to defend the idea that non-U.S. citizens should be able to vote. And if you don't believe in that, it must mean you're a racist. Yeah, there's got to be some kind of offense taken to racial minorities who are being continually told by these progressive these progressive uh, busybodies that they can't they don't have access to ID, that they can't get an identification form of some sort or another. It's at some point got to rebound and not carry that much weight with the communities in the the people in the minority communities, I would think. I would think it's offensive. We don't believe it does. In fact, most polling and and our experience going and, and, you know, engaging with these communities where, where our organization's actively engaged in Hispanic communities all throughout the state of Arizona, um, they they don't like this at all. They don't want to be used as a right. pawn in this. Not. And most, in fact, the vast majority are U.S. citizens, and they're deeply offended by the idea that somebody doesn't have to follow the process. Um, and they get special treatment that many of them had to fight years to to acquire here in, Ar- in Arizona and in the United States to become a U.S. citizen. Yeah, there's a, there's a certain pride to it that's being diminished and taken away at the same time by these efforts from the progressives. But that is kind of the go-to now these days in politics. You can't just be conservative or free enterprise. You can't just be constitutional. You can't just be common sense. To maintain or 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 to argue from any of those perspectives, the progressives will call you racist. They will call you bigot. They will find other terminology. That's their go-to argument now these days. They think that that's a winning strategy, and maybe it has a certain appeal in the media. Maybe it has a certain appeal in cowing some groups and some conservatives to you know think twice about speaking up. But that's what I love about what you said with regard to that lawfare. You're not backing down. We don't do bullies. Right. Scott Musi, thank you for coming in. Thanks for what you do in our community. AZFree.org, Arizona Free Enterprise Club. Scott, we'll have you back soon. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having me, Seth. You bet. Folks, how do you think the Biden administration is handling the economy with the stock market's volatility and talk of recession, inflation, bank failures? What if you could invest in a portfolio with a high fixed rate of return that's not correlated to the stock market or the Fed? A portfolio where you can turn your monthly income on or off, compound it, whatever you choose, and no loss of principal if you need your money back at any time. There are no fees in this secure collateralized portfolio offered up by Y-Refi, which is based here locally. They encourage you to stop by their offices. They're on Scottsdale Road in the 101. I've been there. And you won't get a sales pitch, and no one's going to ask you to sign anything. But when you meet with the team at Y-Refi, you'll see why I trust and like them so much, and you can and will too. Y-Refi is a due diligence-approved firm where you can earn up to a 10.25% rate of return. That's right, a 10.25% fixed rate of return. Check them out at investyrefi.com. That's invest, the letter Y, then refy.com, or give them a call at 888-YREFI-34, 888-YREFI-34. Yes, Dennis and I and Dan Atkinson and Owen Anderson will be testifying at the state senate tomorrow at the state capitol at a hearing at 9 a.m. on free expression at our public universities, uh, public, uh, public, uh, public testimony. So feel free to attend and uh, come up and say hello. Love to see you if you're there. David, what do you got? What's your, what's your, uh, what's your pins say today? What's your political apparatus? Win the war quicker with Dewey and Brinker. Dewey and Brinker. 
Nice. Win the war quicker with Dewey and Br- Bricker or Brinker? Bricker. He was the governor of Ohio. John Bricker. Bricker. I said Brinker. I'm sorry. John He Bricker. was definitely more of the uh, the Taft side of the party. Yeah. And Dewey was more of the, what we call probably the Rockefeller side of the party. But yeah. at the time, it was the Dewey party. Right. Yeah, yeah. Right. Right. Interesting. These fights about the Republican Party. I mean, it's so interesting about, you know, who, what is, you know, what is the Republican Party? Is is it is it a conservative party, or is it not a conservative party? And I, you know, I just you you just think about our best and leading lights. I mean, do people say, "Boy, let's go study those Tom Dewey speeches"? You know that your future's ahead of you. Yeah, right. <laughs> let's go. Let's go resurrect Tom Dewey's and Wendell Wilkie's speeches, shall we? Let's go. Let's go do that. Or you can have, you know, no. Pale pastels. A bold, unmistakable banner. Exactly right. Brandon Weikert coming right up. We'll be right back. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. Salem 